Now, for most people, when we think of Bible translation, we think of it as something recent, like maybe in the last 100 or 150 years. But the reality is that Bible translation, the history of Bible translation, may actually surprise a lot of people. In fact, the Bible translation efforts began way before Jesus was born. And this might surprise a lot of people. But stay tuned as we dive deep into the history of the Bible and how it's been translated over the centuries to the form that we have today. Welcome to the A30 Podcast. This is the A30 Podcast. Welcome back. What we want to do today is take a step back or take a trip back in time and try and follow how the Bible has been translated over the centuries and see what are the two driving pillars that have pushed Bible translation efforts throughout the centuries. Now, these two pillars are basically one accessibility and two reverence one accessibility pillar the accessibility pillar being the fact that people believed throughout the centuries that god's word must be accessible to all who believe and then two the reverence pillar is the idea that this is god's word and we must protect it we must keep it as god's word we must preserve it as God's word. Preserve it as much as we can in the original format or the original intent as much as possible. We must protect God's word. And these two pillars have been the driving force, sometimes almost in opposition to each other, but yet still have propelled the Bible translation efforts right from the beginning of the second century all the way to the modern bibles that we have so let's go back and see how the bible translations started now we we have to go back all the way to the third and second century bc where greece or greece is very powerful and is the influence of greece is spreading throughout the region and by this time a lot of israel is actually speaking greek and so those born within that time those growing up at that time all understand greek and a lot of them actually don't know hebrew but that was a problem because the people believe that god's word must be understood by god's people and here's the case the old testament was written in hebrew and so there was an effort made to translate the hebrew into greek so that the jews could understand god's word because remember like i said people knew and believed that god's word must be accessible to god's people and so in alexandria 
in Egypt. This effort was done somewhere 200 or 300 years before Christ, and this was what we what we came to um, to call as the Septuagint. This was the translation of the Old Testament books into Greek, so that those Jews who did not speak Greek, who did not speak Hebrew, could understand God's word in Greek. Now, this was this became very popular because a lot of Jews were more comfortable in Greek by this time. And if we look at a lot of the New Testament quotations um, that we have in Acts, referencing the Old Testament and all of that, a lot of those quotations were actually quotations from the Greek Old Testament rather than from the Hebrew Old Testament because this was the popular translation that a lot of the Jews used at the time and that was their word of God. That's what they had. And this Septuagint also formed the basis of a lot of other translations that came much later. Now the Septuagint was used to translate to give um, it gave rise to a Bible called the Gothic Bible. Now as Christianity was spreading um, somewhere in the fourth century after after Christ or common era um, a man named Euphelia decided to translate the Bible into Gothic. Now Gothic is an extinct group of languages that um, was known within the regions of the Netherlands, the modern-day Netherlands, Germany, and the Scandinavian countries. Those those regions were known as the Gothic regions, and Christianity was spreading there. And again, the need to have God's word made accessible to believers drove this man, Euphelia, in the fourth century CE to translate the bible from the septuagint into the gothic which gave rise to what we call the gothic bible now this man did a remarkable job because the gothic languages were mostly oral they were not written languages and so euphelia in order to translate the bible from the septuagint into what was called the gothic bible had to invent letters he invented 27 characters to represent the sounds in the Gothic languages and then use those letters to translate the Greek to what was known as the, um, the Gothic Bible. So again, driven by the need to make the Bible accessible, this is the length that this man Ephelia went to to make God's word accessible to people now again when the bibles when christianity started spreading so we've seen gothic or euphelia's drive was basically to make the bible accessible now at the same time as he was doing that some people were trying to translate the bible in the scandinavia sorry in the czech regions in russia people were trying to translate the septuagint into different languages because God's word was spreading and people needed to hear God's word in their own languages and because of that it it also became a problem for Rome because Rome said 
this is God's word. We must protect it. Remember the, the points I made about one being the need for accessibility and the other whole being the need for reverence of protecting God's word, the integrity of God's word. So Rome was worried and Rome said we must protect God's word. We can have so many translations of this Bible that we don't know whether it's the translations are correct or not. We must have a standard. So Rome commissioned a man called St. Jerome. Now St. Jerome was a scholar, a theological scholar who worked with the Pope and also advised the Pope. Now he was commissioned to translate the Bible, to give to do one translation into Latin. Now this was um at the time Latin was also becoming very popular. Latin was the the language this is after christ this is um 300 um 300 years 400 years after christ so the latin is spreading and the pope wants to have one bible they can trust so they pick saint jerome and saint jerome was one person who was extremely passionate about the word of god in fact he's quoted as saying that ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of christ and he truly believed that People needed to understand God's word in a, in a language that they could they, they could relate to or they could comprehend. So Jerome was commissioned um, between um, three forty eight and four twenty to release the Bible, which became what was called the Latin Vulgate translation. This was a Bible that was in Latin, and this was declared in fifteen. 48 that this was the official bible of the church that was what the roman catholic church declared in 1546 sorry 1546 now so that was the vulgate bible now we go on and we come to another bible which came out in 1382 now again i want you to see how it's happening now we see that in in, in 1382 the need to have a Bible that was common to all. So the Latin Vulgate is in Rome. If you can picture that, Latin Vulgate is in Rome. The Roman Catholic Church is saying, this is the Bible that all who want to know God, this is the Bible we approve. But then Christianity was also spreading in the English Channel. And so a man known name as John Wycliffe also did an English translation which was known as the Wycliffe Bible. This is 1382. He did the English translation of the Wycliffe Bible from the Latin Vulgate so that people could read the Bible in English at the time. And so his aim was that the Bible must be heard in in the in the language that the people could relate to and so all the english people didn't have to now learn latin because that was one of the problems not latin was like um an exalted language or a language of the elite and a lot of the common people did not know latin and so had to rely on the priests to read the latin and then explain to them that this is what it meant and also the bible although rome wanted to protect the bible it had sort of made the bible inaccessible to a lot of people by in the by the same stretch and so wycliffe bible came as a translation from the latin vulgate into english so that all the english-speaking people could then 
have access to the Bible in God, have access to God's word in their own language, which was the English language. Now, after Wycliffe came another Bible. There was the Gutenberg Bible, and also there was the Martin Luther Bible. Now, let's talk a bit about Martin Luther. Again, because of the Latin Vulgate, because it wasn't accessible to a lot of people, what happened was that the priests that read it and interpreted it sometimes came to the wrong interpretation. And over time, this led to a lot of wrong doctrines being preached in the church and all of that. So, Martin Luther was of the view that the Bible, again, must be accessible to the common person. And so, this led to a lot of things. Um, Martin Luther had the famous um, thesis he, he pasted, um, he nailed on, on 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 the doorpost and all all that eventually he had a falling out with the roman catholic church and that led to what was called the reformation where some people broke away from the roman catholic church and that formed the protestant movement so you had the anglican the presbyterian all those other churches came out of the reformation or they were called the protestants they came out of the roman catholic church and so Martin Luther also had his Bible, which was supposed to serve the German community because Christianity in the, the German region was also growing. So Martin Luther's Bible also came to, in, in the same spirit of making the Bible accessible, Martin Luther also did his translation that served the, the, the German regions and all those who could understand um, the, the German translation. Around the same time, another man known as William Tyndale, who also was part of the reformers, those who sort of broke away from the Roman Catholic Church, William Tyndale also said, okay, let's have a more modern translation. Now we are in the 15th, um, 16th century. So let's have a more modern translation, an English version for the English region. So taking off from the Wycliffe Bible and all the things that have been done, Tyndall did another English translation, which was, this was 1526. Tyndall did an English translation of the Bible. Now, eventually someone like Tyndall did an important work, but he was killed. He was hanged. He was, he was actually burnt at the stake but he still believed that the Bible should be made accessible to all. And he died for his beliefs. Now, another important Bible that came again. So I want you to see how it's interchanging. You have one, the Septuagint made so everybody could understand. Then in making it popular, people thought we had to protect it. So the the, the vault gate came as a way of standardizing it, but then that also excluded people. And then you have books, Bibles like the Wycliffe Bible, the Tyndale Bible, the um, Luther Bible, all coming as a ways of making the Bible accessible, or even before then, the Gothic Bible, making the Bible accessible to different people. Now, as that happened, the Bible again was all over the place, and the church felt we need to do something. So step in Henry the Third. Henry the Third 
had his own issues with Tyndale and all of that. But he felt that the Bible had the the, the English had had to have their own official Bible. So he also commissioned a group of people to come out with their Bible. Now this these guys came out in 1535 with what was called the Coverdale Bible. Okay, so this was another Bible coming as a result of the leadership feeling we need to have a standard because this is God's word and you can't just have everybody translating and saying whatever they think it means and making mistakes. We need to have a standard. So again, the the gondola reversed and we had the Coverdale Bible which was in 1535 because of the need to protect God's word came up again. Now we go on and we see when that came up again you have the geneva bible coming to do exact opposite making the bible more accessible so you keep having this back and forth of different translations coming in and around the times we can skip all there were so many other bibles the bishop's bible and all those ones came along the line all the way till the time we had another king who came this king was King James, the first of England, who also came around and said he was a Protestant. He's, a, he's, in, he's an English king. So, you know, English and Anglican connection. Now, he came and said, okay, it's now 1604. We need a Bible that is more modern and more standardized and all these other translations that may have issues with. Let's have another Bible that is more standard and we can we can say that this is our Bible. So again, the need to protect God's word came up again. And so the king commissioned a group to do another work of translating the Bible once more. And they came up with what we know as the King James Bible, the most popular Bible out there. Everyone knows the King James Bible, the King James Bible of 1611. This was what came out out of that commission. Now, there are a lot of other things we have to learn about the way we got the King James Bible and how they did their work based on um, the manuscript of Erasmus and all of that. But the most important thing to notice from these back and forth was the two pillars I talked about. One, that people recognized that God's word must be accessible to all and therefore this propelled the need for translations and over the centuries to make God's word accessible to all. And then two, as a counterbalance, leadership or church leadership or governmental leadership also realized the need to protect God's word because God's word is sacred and so you can't have just about anybody translating God's word or claiming this to be God's word and so there was the need to standardize God's word and to be sure that if we are translating God's word we are doing it in a way that is proper in a way that is controlled a way that is um that takes or, or take cognizance of the fact that this is God's word and we must represent it as best as we can. 
and so the leadership or the political leadership and in those days the political leadership and the religious leadership was sort of interwoven so they came together to stamp the authority and and commissioned or authorized different bibles like the vulgate we had the um the uh, coverdale bible and we had the the king james bible all these were attempts to in fact you could go all the way back to the Septuagint, which was also one of those attempts by leadership to get the bible in a way that is standardized or to get god's word in a way that is standardized and can be vouched for by the church or by the church leadership and so these two pillars have together sometimes in opposition to each other propelled the development of god's word and today we have we have the modern translations that we know the niv the esv and um, um, the cet nlt all these translations but all these have come and and they still follow the same idea one they need to protect god's word and two they need to make god's word accessible to all now we have even um, bibles in local languages um in within different countries where people again driven by these two things these two pillars making god's word accessible to all and making god's word authentic to all have these pillars have driven people and and societies and groups to move or translate god's word into different languages now i hope this walk through the history of bible translation has made you appreciate your bible now when you look at your bible you you remember the fact that people died to get us the bible the way we have it people died to people committed their whole lives imagine in those days you didn't have internet you didn't have computers you didn't have all those things in fact it was not until much later that you had the printing press to be able to even duplicate some of the things you were doing a lot of things had to be done the very very hard way but people were so committed and people believed so much in god's word that they spent their lives they gave their lives to get us the bible to get us the bible the way we have it and so the next time you look at your bible the next time you open the bible app on your phone and you can see 27 translations on your phone and you can see sometimes even 100 translations and you can pick and choose whichever one you have i want you to take a step back or take a moment and appreciate the work that has been done the work that the sacrifices people have made to get us the bible the way we have it to ensure that we've kept god's word throughout the centuries in translating it and making sure it's as accurate as possible to move it through the different ages the different centuries and and you'll be surprised so for example some of the bibles where if you take the english translations you will be surprised that when you read for example the Wycliffe bible the language although english is very different from say the english we know now and so the english the spellings for example you have a word like k-y-l-l cal you don't even know what it means in modern day but these were some of the words that were used in the um, 12th century in the um, 13th century and all of that so 
people have paid their, with their lives to get us the Bible the way we have it today. So we have to appreciate the Bible. We have to study it. Like to borrow the words of St. Jerome, as he said, he said, if you ignorance of the Bible or ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of Christ. And so if we don't pay attention to study God's word, because these people believed that to be a faithful Christian, to be a faithful follower of Christ, you needed to know God's word. You needed to know what God was saying and what God meant by what he was saying. That's why they took time to translate the Bible as accurately as possible. That's why the authorities wanted to be sure that the translations did not introduce any errors or make any mistakes and all that. And so even when they detected that those would be quickly discarded and new ones would be done because throughout the centuries, people believed that this is the word of God and they paid with their lives even though it was unpopular, they did all they could to preserve God's word, the integrity of God's word over the centuries. And now with the help of modern technology and all that, we have all these books, these translations, even some of the old ones, all at our resources or all at our hands. Sometimes all of them on your phone. You can quickly open your phone up and you can take a look at the Wycliffe Bible. You can take a look at the Tyndale Bible, the Geneva Bible, the Bishop's Bible, the Luther Bible, or come all the way to this um, King James, the NIV, all of that. We have all of this rich resource made available to us. We have to treasure it. We have to, the least we can do is to take time to study God's word, to take time and be sure that we know this word. Because like St. Jerome said, ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of Christ. And if we don't know Christ, where then lies our salvation? I trust that we have enjoyed this session. I certainly have. I really enjoyed researching this and getting, trying to make it as simple as possible there were a lot of years and a lot of things that happened, but I try to, to minimize them just so you can get the flow of how the Bible translations have, have been impacted by people and politics and all the things that happened over the centuries. So my name is J.K. Say This has been the 830 podcast. Next week, we are going to look at another aspect of translation. That is how we move from the King James all the way to the other translations that we have and all the things that happen in there all of this is aimed at helping us appreciate the bible we have helping us know that we can't mishandle the bible we have because it's precious and next time we open our bible we will take a few moments to thank god for the word that he has preserved that he has kept for us because it is god's word and we must see each other as such Thank you for joining me. I'll see you next week. This has been the 830 Podcast.